Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. I want good English to speak when I am getting to New York. So sit back, relax, and soak up some Vita Rays as we dive into Captain America. I was so hesitant and so afraid to start watching this movie, and then once it got started, I couldn't take my eyes away. I was pulled right in. Uh-huh. A certain uh, curious morbidity. <laughs> Morbid curiosity? What did I say? Curious morbidity. <laughs> There are a lot of curious morbidities in this movie. There's more than a few. All right, so this one was released December 14th, 1990, directed by Albert Pune, starring Matt Salinger, Scott Pollan, and Ronnie Cox. Uh, seen this one before this particular viewing? Uh, not even a second of it. This is an oddly paced film. It was my first viewing as well. If you didn't grab the Laserdisc edition, there is a copy rolling around on YouTube. The full version is up there for free. And it's a pretty good uh, rip. This one opens with a god-awful intro with a couple of production logos for companies that I've never heard of. 21st Century Film Corporation. Okay. That's a breakaway from Canon Films, uh, who the heavily revered as one of the, the kings of B-movies. And if you don't know anything about Canon Films, you should uh, look out for the documentary Electric Boogaloo, story of Canon Films. Oh, they're, they're the Electric Boogaloo people. Yes. Breaking two. Oh, hell yes. No, no this, this is all making sense to me now. Yeah. It's all coming together. Our story opens in Italy, 1936. Mussolini, fascist Italy here. And we see some children playing around. And then we get a in-through-the-window shot of a what seems like a lovely Italian home. There's a little boy playing some magical piano music and a whole family filled with loving people listening and cheering him on. So obviously Mussolini's boys come in and kidnap the boy and then make him watch as they machine gun the whole fam. Yeah, that was extremely brutal. They like held him. (laughs) What's the point of that? This is some real child soldier kind of stuff. That's true. They expose you to extreme violence right away to kind of break your brain. That's a good point. Uh, and that's what they do here. May you no longer pine for a, for a better past because your past is gone. Yeah. Got to admit, very cool detail for this movie. I set a really low bar, but I thought that was really <laughs> cool and really wild. Yeah. It was brutal. Right before we started recording, I was thinking, ah, there's no checkoffs thing in this. <laughs> but there for sure is. There for sure is. Right on the table. We'll leave it as a mystery. Oh, there's, a, there's a recorder. There's a fucking recorder right on the table that they do a 10-second pan of right. this recorder. Uh, recording this whole event. We've got these guys. They kidnap the boy and they take him back to the mysterious Fortress Lorenzo. And we've got all kind of fascist scientists here. We've got some Nazis. We've got some Italians. We got all stripes. And they're doing weird experiments with some sort of serum. We get to see a rat that has been experimented on and turned into a awesome, disgusting puppet. A stop motion abomination. Yeah. It was scary. And what I thought was a cheap mechanism is you could save a couple bucks by not having to show the rat's transformation. Mm-hmm. But how they did that was they'd set up a movie theater. Oh, yeah. Clever. And showed them a video of the rat before it was experimented on. And then they were like, well, that this same rat over here 
is the one you just saw on the screen, and it's this just horrible, scary thing. Oh, yeah. As a kind of a prelude to what's to come, it's red, double the size, and they say it's twice as strong and twice as smart. But it is a true nightmare. That was just the first part of the presentation. The second part, I guess, is they're going to show them experimenting on the young child prodigy. But there is one doctor who resists. She sees them bringing in the child and strapping him in. She says no. She objects. They immediately turn on her. And my girl, she just, I'm going to use my first one. She yeets herself right out the window. I'm saving mine for later. They begin to shoot at her, and she jumps out the window and stands up. She's a little bit dirty. She brushes herself off, but she's good to go. She's fine. We jump ahead uh, a number of years. Uh, jump ahead. We're going to jump ahead seven years, because I can do maths. 1943. That's right, right? Did I do it? We jump ahead to 1943, and that scientist, Dr. Vaselli, she has defected to the U.S. and has begun her own super soldier project. Point of order. Seven years after they put the serum in the young to be Red Skull, how old do you think that kid was? I was thinking about this. Maybe like 10, 11, 12. Okay, so he could be 20 years old at this point. Mm -hmm. That's not unreasonable. Because I wondered about that, too. The U.S. has started their own super soldier project, and they have the perfect candidate. Steve Rogers. We see Steve in his hometown as we get another in the window shot. I thought they were going to do it and go all the way in to start with this really cool long crane shot. And I thought for a second they were going to go straight in the window. You see the family inside and they do a quick cut. And it's a going away party for Steve Rogers. There's a young boy eating oranges out of the punch bowl. Or so I thought that was kind of strange. Just grabbing him with his hand. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird party. There's a lot of people jammed in the house, a one-bedroom house shoulder-to-shoulder with folks. We see a pre-powered Steve. He has a very wonkily acted limp, as we see. What they're supposed to be depicting there is polio. Mm -hmm. I was wondering how they were going to do this, because Matt Salinger, the actor who plays Captain America, they can't do like a skinny Steve like they did in the first one. So they gave him a disability so that he would be able to overcome some baggy clothes interesting to note too matt salinger is jd salinger's son the author of catcher in the rye no shit he also played one of the jocks in revenge of the nerds burke he's got a mean jock face i can see that mm -hmm. steve limps down the street to see his gal bernie he can't leave without saying goodbye to bernie and they having a moment and some serious fucking overacting here baby that's his best gal there's a nice long extended cut of that farewell scene too and you could tell if you're watching it at one point in time, like, the music completely changes in a split second. That's because they must have had the score running along with them as they were recording audio. So they were like, well, we have to edit this. Oh, well. So they cut out, like, <laughs> like four minutes of talking, and it just cuts to, like, from one part of the song to the, the end of the song. That's wild. Dr. Vasily. I keep thinking of the guy from Enemy at the Gates, uh, Vasily. Vasily Zaitsev. Well, the doctor is there. She's our Dr. Erskine stand-in, and she whisks Steve away to begin the super soldier program. And in the car right away, was anyone else as shocked as I was to see Steve Rogers smoking a cig? It was the 40s, man. Everybody was smoking cigarettes. Well, yes, I get that, but it was just a little bit, um, it took me aback, to say the least, to see like the, the soon-to-be hero. But Steve is uh, whisked away to a secret facility underneath of a diner. It's very cool, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of stuff here, where they go in the diner and ask for a roast. We see two guys enter, and they hang their coats up and travel down a secret passageway. Real quick, must be no mystery to the folks who work the diner right now that there's a secret entrance, right? Right. So why when those boys walked in, did the lady working the diner grab her gun? Well, because as we see, there was a person she knew and an observer straight from Roosevelt 
That's just a classic move, too, when someone approaches, you had a gum behind the counter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of dope women in this, which I was really excited to see. You don't expect it for 1990s to have, like, strong female characters. Not all of them. Some of them. <laughs> so the Vider Ray lab is underneath. So these two observers head down, and then we get a full shot of the facility. And I was a little bit surprised to see that this facility looks a lot like the one from the remake. I mean, you could tell this is a smaller set and they only have one corner of the room fully decorated. The rest is in shadow. But the Viteray chamber itself looked shockingly similar, I thought. Yeah, and they used a lot of the uh, TMNT ooze to make (laughs) Steve Rogers a big boy. (laughs) They're like really green liquid. Yeah, there's all kind of juices. It's either Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like reanimator style juice. Looks a lot like Goop Arcane was using in the last one. For sure. The test goes off, and now I don't know if this was a feature or just part of it. Steve gets enhanced, and the machinery kind of explodes the whole time. Also, the doctor is a total fucking badass because she just stands there, like right next to him as like all of these lasers and explosions are going off. My girl does not even blink, but she trusts her work. She trusts her science, and Steve emerges muscly and victorious. And as happens, there is a secret spy there and kills the doctor and shoots Steve. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's some good squib work we got going on here. This is a brutal fucking shooting. That was extremely brutal. First, I want to say a couple of uh, little factoids for the room. You got Senator Kirby, who's uh, it's a nod to Jack Kirby. Yeah one of the creators of Steve Rogers. And they mention, again, that he will not be Superman, so you get another DC reference in a Marvel movie. Really? Just like in Punisher, they mention Batman. Not only does that guy shoot Dr. Vaselli, he puts his hand out to shake hands, (laughs) and then... and then as a way of saying, like, just playing, baby girl, Heil Hitler, he moves his hand out of the way, moves his other hand up for the Heil Hitler, and, and then starts mowing people down. Remarkable work, Dr. Vaselli. Congratulations. Heil Hitler! Oh, it's very good. It seems like it's not very strategic either. We get that little bit of exposition as Steve's on his way to his very first mission. They had mentioned he got 10 months of training. Which doesn't seem like enough. Was that training before or after he... I think it had to be after, right? Because he didn't like... Well, no, I'll tell you why it had to be before, and there's a couple reasons. Okay, so let me hear the theory. There's a scene whenever he's in the hospital for getting shot, Mm -hmm. and that's whenever they say, well, we've only got five days to stop this missile. So he got shot, goes to the hospital, and actually, another fun fact, the guy playing the doctor is the same guy who plays Red Skull in that scene. Oh. Uh, That's Scott Pollan. So he gets a little dual role. And actually, interestingly enough, in the credits, he gets two lines. So it's like Red Skull, played by Scott Pollan, Doctor, whatever his name is, played by Scott Pollan. Double credits. I wonder if he gets double money from uh, fucking SAG or something. <laughs> Maybe. So what they say is that Cap is their only hope to stop a German attack in five days. So what were they waiting on? That seems like a really short timeline after Super Soldier to go directly to to save us from a rocket attack. Yeah, and then they also say you're going to be the only one because the doctor had all of the plans in her head. They didn't even know it was going to work, and they were putting all of their eggs in the the basket of Captain America. He asked where his battalion was. I'm like, bro... How are they going to do that in five days anyhow? All the machines exploded. She also had some gear. Uh, She wasn't just a geneticist, I guess. She apparently invented his shield and also his fireproof suit. Speaking of the suit, I don't know if they knew like what measurement he would come out to whenever his muscles grew, but luckily they were ready with it. And the costume itself has prosthetic ears, if you didn't notice. And they did that. Wait, 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 wait. Those aren't his real ears? There's not cutouts? There's fake ears (laughs) out there? 
Those are. Oh my god, I'm seeing it in the picture. It's like a Freddy Krueger ear. Oof. The reason for that was they had ear holes cut in the original mask, and it, apparently that chafed Matt Salinger horribly. And it was like, <sighs> it this sense. is another one of those shoots that's like 100 degrees every scene. So he was like, well, you got to do something about this. Well, and like, what is that suit made of? Just like rubber. Luckily for him, he does not have to wear the suit for very long. I was pleased to see his World War II Captain America outfit was different as well. He just wasn't the Star Spangled Boy. He had like a helmet on and some other things to go on his very first mission. Uh, so that was a cool look, I thought, and I didn't expect to see it. What I also did not expect him to do was... As he jumps out of the plane, as after receiving his mission to stop the missile, his battle cry as he leaps into the sky is, I love you, Bernie! I woke my partner up yelling about how fucking stupid this part was. It was the middle of the night. She had gone to bed. I thought, okay, now's the perfect time. And she, she didn't mind because she claims there are some serious bops in this one. You might have heard one on the intro here, and I'm going to be replacing the outro music with the best credit song that's ever existed. So Captain America, he assaults the facility. He makes his way in. He was supposed to meet a couple of people. I don't know if we ever see them. They're credited, but... I didn't see them really taking place of the action. Maybe it was a deleted scene. That's in the extended cut. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah, he meets a couple of people that help him out, and mm-hmm. uh, then they get killed by Germans. Ah, Germans? I think Italians? I don't know. It's They they never really make it clear who, because there's Nazis in Italy. They're mm-hmm. kind of just slapdash. Right, so they get killed. One of them dies in Cap's arms, and he's all the more invigorated to solve this issue and throw his magic shield at miniatures. Yeah. It powers him up. It powers up his ultimate move, and he flings his shield at a watchtower, and the whole thing explodes. He also then flings his shield at I don't know what, and then that explodes too. I don't know what caused the giant fireball. Was there like a gas truck or something? He's, I missed. He it. was behind a some kind of vehicle they were shooting at. Just as soon as he got away from behind it, it explodes. Oh, There's a lot okay. of explosions. Right. It's like Goldeneye. Everything explodes if mm-hmm. you shoot at it. So Steve makes it into the missile silo. He sees the giant experimental rocket, and he also sees his new nemesis, Red Skull. And immediately starts playing Frisbee with him. Yeah. Red Skull is much better. He's, He's really good at Frisbee. Steve's doing some backyard stuff. Red Skull has been an ultimate Frisbee champ for years. He grabs that shield out of the air and sticks it into the ground. Very cool. And then proceeds to whoop Captain America's ass. Ten months training was not enough. Yes, and he says, Ooh, animating. Just when I am needing help of my English lessons. There's a couple good ones. There's uh, I want good English to speak when I am getting to New York. And I am much practicing while you sleep. Well, this is also where we see Red Skull and his full Hellraiser nasty, drippy, gory. This version of Red Skull is pretty brutal. What did you guys think of the design here? Uh, it's a little rough, but it's definitely scary. I think they got the scariness down. The fight scene is pretty good. It's mostly shot from way far back, so we don't get a lot of up-close stuff. So stuntman work, I guess. Red Skull defeats Captain America and straps him to his new missile that he is sending to blow up the White House. As the missile launches and Red Skull gloats, Captain America reaches out and grabs Red Skull's hand. And he says, if I'm going, I'm taking you with me. And in a last second, a moment of desperation, they can't stop the launch. Red Skull pulls out a knife and chops off his own hand? Yeah, I got a couple questions here. Yeah, first thing. They only had a few days to get this rocket off. Nice. That's what she said. Very nice. Uh, anyway, so he straps him to this rocket with his shield. Mm-hmm. We're to believe that there's enough 
fuel in this rocket, even while holding a human adult. I mean, it won't change the velocity or the way it flies. No, it, nothing. It max uh, at all. That's fine. Chill. <laughs> That's some big brain stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's get him strapped to this. We couldn't just kill him and then send the rocket and win. No, we have to send him on the rocket. Also, he cuts his own hand off. I feel like... He probably could have tried to cut off Captain America's hand. Why wouldn't you? Um, I mean, if you yeah, give him I one mean, good stab, just... he'll probably fucking Although, go. Although, I changed my mind. Okay. If they factored in Captain America's weight to still get the rocket to the White House, right. he would have had to chop off his own hand. Because if um, he chops off Captain America's hand, that changes miss. his weight ever so slightly. And therefore, maybe it doesn't go to the White House. Well, good news is this is a very experimental rocket because fuel is no issue. Red Skull chops off his own hand, and Captain America's away. On the platform, right whenever he's sending the rocket. There's a lot of, like, blowback under a rocket, right? He'd have been burned up so good. It's experimental. No, he would have been burned up real good, but it's Red Skull. You know, he's... What's he going to do, lose his skin? Red Skull's certainly crazy. He's got a big ego because his face is red, so he wanted to be up close to the action. Villains are always caught by their arrogance. Yeah, you could say that he was so embarrassed he was a little red in the face. I got a guy here. He does rim shots and whatnot for applicable circumstances. I'll hire him. He, he lives here. I don't have any applicable circumstances. Steve is flying over the ocean, and we cut to Washington, D.C., and a young boy standing at the window. His mother comes in and says, Tom, go to bed. It's late. What are you doing up? And he says, Mom, how could I sleep? We're in Washington, D.C. You know, famous, exciting destination for children the world around. Did they have the Spy Museum in 1943? No, for sure not. Uh, So what's the point? (laughs) They're still doing the spy stuff actively. Ah, good point. His mom puts him to bed. He's too excited. Oh, my God, all the legislation here. I got to go out and see this. So Tom sneaks out with his camera, and he's going to take a nighttime shot of the White House. When what's this I hear? A strange noise. He turns. He sees. It's a rocket. A rocket with a man strapped on it. That man and rocket are going to hit the White House. He screams, takes a picture. Captain America, in a final moment of desperation, all eight hours he's been over the fucking Atlantic Ocean. He's done nothing to change anything. He hears the child shout, oh no, the White House and kicks the fins of the missile to divert the missile at the very last second, and it shoots off for parts unknown. How far away is Italy from the White House? You know what? Here, let's do do a quick Google. Let's let's do a quick Google. Google Maps here. I have another destination that we need to address right after. This trip does not stop at D.C. We're going to, we need directions. There's like choice for bus, walking, do rocket with human. Right, 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 right. Let's call that, uh, let's just call it Rome. You know, we'll just call it Rome. Rome. Simplicity's sake. Okay, so that is 10 hours, 5 minutes. 10 hours. Okay, let's say it doesn't matter that there's not enough fuel for it to make it probably to the White House. That's fine. He had a very long time to kick the fin off and send it to a different direction. Well, he waits till the last second. Why did he have to get so close to the... He was over America for quite some time before he got to the White House. He heard the child yell, oh no, the White House. It's uh, 4,481 miles, by the way. 4,000 miles. Okay. You could see the country from pretty far away, then he knows where he's at, kick the fin. He's got to wait for just that right moment. He's diverted off course, and he is diverted (laughs) to Alaska, Mm -hmm. which is twice as far as they meant to send that rocket. It's probably about 4,000 miles. Yeah, that's another another 4,000 miles. (laughs) So he diverts from the White House. He was at the White House, guys. I'm not saying that, like, like Sam's saying, he wasn't over the ocean. He was literally there and then zooms the rocket 
all the way to Alaska. We're in the middle of World War II, and at no point does this rocket, because it's a super Nazi rocket, trigger air raid alarms or like anti-aircraft fire. And it crash lands at the North Pole, the very tippy top of Alaska, where Cap is submerged under the ice. This shot was actually pretty funny, watching him just go sploosh. You know, here's my thing about this whole thing. There is a lot of classic early 90s miniature special effects, and it's all done really well, which is a shame in a lot of ways because there's no good context for it. A lot of the shield graphics, I don't know how they did it. They never said how they did it. It's all practical. I mean, it's a really cool cut. The action here in this effects are really spot on. I'm guessing a miniature shield on a piece of string. Probably. That makes sense on a little wire. I think the one that you get shots of him throwing is absolutely just like super thin plastic. It kind of looks... It's just a big Frisbee. Being taken out of it in this movie is really, what is that to say? But I was like, ah, that's it's plastic, huh? Yeah. The young Tom calls his friend Sam, and they discuss a couple of, he's trying to parse out who that superhero was, because they saw him. He's like, what? Did he have a trident? And like, no. Okay, well, it wasn't Submariner. Was he on fire? No, it wasn't Human Torch then. A throwback to Toro. The Invaders. Yeah, I love those fucking guys. That's who, that's who Cap, Human Torch, and Submariner, they're the Invaders. Mm-hmm. Different Human Torch than the Fantastic Four. So we're going to fast forward another bunch of years, this time all the way to the present day, 1990. 47 years later, our boy Tom is now the president. Thomas Kimball is president. He's the kid who saw Captain America, and we see immediately his platform is all about climate change and the environment. And I was actually like, yo, hey, Tom Kimball, what's up? This is oddly prescient. He's also running on a very bold stance of we're all going to die slowly, which I think is pretty hopeful compared to his opponents. We'll all die quickly platform. Right. Well, you know, it's all about preference. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd rather die quickly, personally. (laughs) We have a general who is with you there, and there's a general, and him and the president kind of have words. And it turns out he's a part of a sinister cabal who's working with the Red Skull, which I'm assuming is Hydra, but in this world, certainly at the highest echelons of power. Right, and the general tells him basically that he can't have all of these environmental asks that he has because he'll shoot his eye out. Because he's he's the dad from Christmas Story. <laughs> I was wondering where I knew this fool from. I also wrote here, no one wants to see the president in jeans and a sport coat. You know, maybe it was a Sunday. It was a cash. He's not totally a dove. We see later he's got some hawkish qualities as well. Ralphie's dad is chilling with Red Skull, and they're plotting how to take over. And the idea is that they're going to kidnap the president and implant a chip in his brain that will allow Red Skull to control him. So they'll have a man in the White House. We have the business Red Skull here. Because he's uh he's wearing a suit, he's got he's got hair, he's got his he's got some prosthetics done to him. It looks like America's giving him a hand. Great. That's a great fill. Thank you, buddy. I'm going to have to fucking put these in now. I have to make a bunch of drum fills and slot them in. (laughs) Thanks, me, for all the extra work. All for the bit, baby. That's showbiz. So in 1990, we're going to zip across the globe over to Alaska, where a group of West German researchers have discovered Captain America's body and cut him out of the ice. They receive word to leave him as is, but as he heats up a little bit, Cap explodes the ice and sees that all of these guys are West German researchers in Alaska. I don't know, but he thinks, ugh, Nazis, and scoots on out of there. They cut him out in a perfect block with no regard to the unexploded rocket that he was attached to. Yeah, that's like, hmm, how did that? Hmm. 
Yeah, they didn't cut his fingers off, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Maybe this was deleted as well. So we've got some some global warming happening. So the ice melted, and then you saw his hands, and then they cut him out. There we go. Bada bing, bada boom. But Steve's got a plan. I just expect more from 21st Century Film Corporation. Electric Boogaloo's action. Dance the best you'll get. If you like break dance when you ain't seen nothing yet. Steve's got a plan, though. He decides he doesn't know where he is. But home's gotta be south, and he just starts walking. Ooh, at this point we meet Sam Aged, who is now Ned Beatty, who was in deliverance with the president, Ronnie Cox. So I was on the lookout for the banjo boy. Another note about Ronnie Cox, the president. He said this is the best script he ever read and has no idea how it got so screwed up. That is interesting because, I mean, I would love to get my hands on that script because what the fuck did it used to be? Because this is nonsense. At that point, the president calls Ned Beatty and says, we got to find this Captain America gent because he sees him in the newspaper, Frozen Man, all this thing. So he sends Ned Beatty to the Canadian countryside. And luckily, Canada is not very big because he's able to find Captain America pretty easily. Devil's Advocate, this has been both of their passion projects since that day when they were what like seven years old the last 40 years they've been going conspiracy theory deep and studying these things you can see kind of maps and things so i'll give him a little bit of credit maybe he's in the area but it is a little wonky he finds him pretty quick um sneaking by canada i don't think it's very big i think it's one road in one road out <laughs> you know canada you're just going um, off Oh, it's a cap. He just kind of walks out. It's fine. Right. That's how you get home. So he's getting chased by Red Skull's daughter. Oh, yes. We were introduced to Red Skull's daughter and her gang of sexy assassins. Inept assassins, I guess. Ned Beatty being in this does continue the tradition of actors who are too good for the film really showing up and putting in the work here. Red Skull's daughter shows up. There's a dirt bike chase, and Sam does do a rescue. Sam rescues Captain America, and they drive away. They were being previously chased by helicopters, but they've managed to get a little leg room here. But as Sam is explaining that it's been 40 years, and it's 1990, and all of this, Cap starts getting confused and looking around the car and he sees sam is driving a volkswagen produced in west germany and he's got a tape recorder that was made in japan so cap flips out and one of the many times he does this gag tells sam that he's gonna be sick and he has to pull over would you pull the car over please i think i'm gonna be sick and walks far away from the car and then waits for sam to approach and he sprints back into the car and drives away. Legs it. It's his best fucking trick. It's a superpower. <laughs> Before that, while they're in the car... Just tell me everything you know about a guy they called the Red Skull. It could be 1492 for all I care. Yeah, he's still alive. We don't know where he is or who he is. We know that he's using the name he used before the war. He's had extensive plastic surgery. And we know that he is a kingpin and a powerful international cartel, which I believe is responsible for a great deal of the pain and misery on this entire planet. They've got all this intelligence, and they can't figure out who Red Skull is. I don't think the plastic surgery was that extensive. If they don't know his name, how do they know he's using his pre-war name, first of all? I'm just, you know, I'm not here to poke holes, but that's what I'm doing. Cinema sins in us over here. <laughs> this guy is like light pink. Maybe he's not red anymore. But you know that this guy's probably the Red Skull dude. I don't know. Also, Captain America heroically, heroically mm -hmm. leaves an obese man yep. of advancing age mm -hmm. on the Canadian countryside, mm -hmm. miles away from Nazis, hell-bent on murder, after they saw him aid their target. Yes, so, on like literally the one road there is that they will be following. The, one road, the only one road in Canada. He leaves your boy Sam to be fucking murdered. Amazingly, he's not captured or anything, but 
he left him there. I mean, they have to be on his trail. It's just a dude on the side of the road. Luckily, northern Canada is a relatively safe for a person to be walking alone on a fucking road. We're in Captain America Advocate Corner. I guess he did think he was a Nazi spy. So maybe I'm giving some yeah. away. But still, he did yeah. leave that man to fucking die for sure. Mm-hmm. Steve, now in possession of this Volkswagen sans passport or identification of any kind takes a quick road trip he does some hobo tricks uh captain Mm -hmm. he drives to like a train station and hops a ride all the way back yeah he falls asleep during a molson light ad in in dreams of bernie dreams of bernie and they play the they play the cheesiest song memories of my girl (laughs) memories of the world this was the song my partner woke up and texted me about it's to turn that up it's a fucking bop yeah it's really good uh, it's not. It's terrible. And for most of the song, it's just narrating what Captain America is actually doing on screen. He's on his hometown street looking for a chance to meet his girl. How does this fantasy sequence match up to the one in Swamp Thing for you guys? Swamp Thing? Way sexier. <laughs> yeah, Steve returns to Redondo Beach and has a reunion with an aged Bernie. Oh, boy. Some good stuff. No, there's a scene when he gets back to America where goths aggressively scream at him and ask for a cigarette. And then Steve walks off the boardwalk and he ogles a girl in a string bikini like you want your heroes to do. And then he runs in the middle of the road to get to Bernie's house. Maybe he forgets about sidewalks. Or didn't they have sidewalks in 43? I don't know. I'm not... What am I, a civil engineer? Well, as awkward as that song is and as awkward as his interactions in 1990s America are, uh, it's got nothing on his uh, very first meeting with Bernie and her family. Before he meets Bernie, he meets Bernie's daughter, and he thinks it's Bernie. Am I right in saying that Sharon, Bernie's daughter, throws her groceries at Steve Rogers' face? For sure. Um, I would call that uh, yeet cute. I was saving it, so I didn't want you to pass it up. (laughs) No, yeah, I was going to let you get to it. Steve heads back to his old house and his gal Bernie uh, with her husband and daughter. Yes, she 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 fucking throws a bunch of groceries in his face and kind of shouts that there's a creep attacking her. He doesn't do a very great job of interacting here. No. Bernie's husband comes out. He looks so pissed off. And I figure he probably has enough problems like trying to keep up with groceries and the mortgage without his wife's recently thought ex-boyfriend showing up out of the blue. Yeah, it's a real tough look for him. He doesn't get a good shake in this. They try to make him to seem like an asshole, but I'm like, what are you, what? No, he's good. He's fine. He's He's just the appropriate response. He's got enough problems, man. He looks like a Brewster. I bet you he's a handful down at the local bowling league. He's ready for uh, for a fisticuff. Come on, I was really hoping. I was like, okay, this movie's a little tone deaf. Am I going to watch Captain America beat an old man to death on the street? That would have been cool. One of the things Bernie says to, to Steve whenever they finally get to talking. And she says, Everyone kept saying that missing in action was just another way of saving blown to smithereens. Was, was that ever cool to say to somebody? Like, stop worrying about your boyfriend. He was blown to smithereens. He's exploded into many little bits. Bernie, get over it. There's another big deleted scene. Uh, a couple, actually. One of them where Cap goes to see his old commander in a nursing home. And it's actually like a really good scene. His commander doesn't remember him. He has some flashes of memory, and he's like, Steve Rogers, Captain America, where have you been? It's a big, like, anti-war thing. It's touching in a way, but they cut that. And then there's a scene where Cap is walking through Gold's Gym with a Gold's Gym shirt on, and he calls Bernie on the phone, and he says, Bernie, there's something I have to know. Who won the series in 43? Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, the Red Sox. Oh, damn it. That means I owe Bobby Delintosh 10 bucks. 
And you know how Bobby gets when people don't. Bobby's dead. He died in Korea. In July, that'll be 35 years ago. This other somber moment where he realizes not only does nobody remember him, all of his friends are probably dead. He's only got Bernie left in the world. But yeah, so those are some scenes they cut out. They kept in a lot of stuff. They cut those out. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that I would have rather they kept in. So it doesn't cost any money, special effects-wise, to get good plot points in. And they have. They had the idea of what could have been a cool realization that, you know, he's got nothing going for him right now. But then we cut to, to him in Sharon's apartment watching some VHS tapes. Catching up. Catching up. They rented some tapes from the library, and he's catching up on world events. PSA. You don't have to rent anything from the library. They let you have it for free. Oh, wow. Join the library. <laughs> yeah, honestly. They've got everything, too. If you're out there, I know a lot of libraries have things that you would never expect to rent. Say you need a leaf blower or something. Check with your library. They often have these things available. Um, so, yeah, P PSA, I love libraries. I'm a member of... I read all of my comics through Hoopla, which is a, a digital thing from the library. So Hoopla, Libby, Overdrive, they're great resources out there. You want to go back over some old trades, Indies you missed? Pick up some apps, man. It's great. We get a little of Steve humanizing in his budding relationship with Sharon. But I think you're right, Sam, that I would have liked to see him more wrangle with his past. And that's something that I think the emotional center of the movie could have been, which they miss here in favor of more action. And I think the update, the first Avenger, really nails. And there's a lot of comedy gold that they didn't mind. Like, so give me some know, more Sam. He's great. He just he just saw tapes and TV. I want to see. I want him to you know try some clothes on. I want him to see an escalator. I want him to be baffled about garbage to, cans. Oh, I want him to see fireworks and be like, <laughs> whoa, what's this? <laughs> what's this? This art is great. I love it. Well, Steve, that's a fucking toilet. Those existed. Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have a toilet? <laughs> so after all this, Steve decides that he needs to go on an adventure and find the doctor's diary. He thinks he might know where it is. But before they depart, a tragedy occurs initiating that as the Red Skull's daughter is tracking Sam, who's tracking Captain America, and knows where Bernie lives and goes to Bernie's house. So Sam goes to Bernie's looking for Cap, and the Red Skull's daughter has been following Bernie and goes there and shoots everybody, kills Bernie, kills Sam, and shoots Dad. Jack is. He's shot, and then I wrote down... Finally, a vacuum's created for Captain America to move in on his old girlfriend, and then I wrote, never mind, she's dead. Um, yeah, because Cap is actively still trying to hook up with this woman who's been married for like 30-some years because she waited 16 years, which, fair. Good on Bernie. Yeah, it's pretty good. In the next scene in the hospital where Jack is, Captain America's wearing a turtleneck with a pocket, which I really like. There's a lot of turtlenecks in these, <laughs> these old movies, but this is a pretty good one. Look, the time is right for a turtleneck resurgence. You, it's actually, it's perfect because... It's a built-in yeah, built mask. It's a built-in mask. Built mask. You just fold it up, it up and you got a mask. Turtleneck, baby. Flip it up. Also, you can put your chains on okay. the outside of it. Million dollar idea. Oh. Trademark. And 95 turtlenecks. Is he wearing Jack's clothes? I guess he's wearing Jack's clothes. Yeah, they say that it, they give him some of Jack's stuff, I believe. After his gal has been murdered, he takes her daughter, um, his new sweetheart, just as weird. And it's no, still... see, we just covered this in Swamp Thing. I mean, Arcane wants to bring Heather Locklear in because she looks just like her mom. Yes. There's a lot of people that are obsessed with, like, getting busy with people's kids. Oh, cut that out. There's a lot of people who are just like, you know... At the highest echelons of power. Th and there are millions of fish in the sea. It's a really weird thing. Like, I, I don't think in real life, 
that would never happen, right? Like my old girlfriend got just died, or she was she's old and I'm not somehow. I'm not gonna try to date her daughter. This just seems like it'd be weird. Because that's weird. Because wouldn't you like? Okay, this is the love of my life's child. Next best thing. It's it's always weird. They kind of circumvent that in uh, the MCU with uh, her being a Hydra agent, and so that you don't have to get into the stickier fucking wicket of it all. Um, but to, hey, yeah, this is. I think this is supposed to be Sharon uh, Carter because you know the kind of the blonde aspect. Um, I'm guessing as well. Kind of fits that. The... I just mean there's a lot of people applying to date Captain America, so nepotism <laughs> need not apply. Well, Steve takes this show on the road uh, to the old diner facility, and they they break in there and find the Doctor's journal, but. Unfortunately, they've been followed by the uh, Skull Junior gang. At this point, Steve bursts into the ladies' room without knocking, which I thought wasn't very not very heroic of him. <laughs> Is it like boarded up? Is it boarded up? No, it's it's boarded up oh, inside that's the right. ladies' room. It's a, it's a new. It's like they, the they've like updated door. it. It's like a yeah. They've they've built the women's the you know the the facilities funny. in front of this old thing and he just busts in for being frozen for 40 years he's got no fucking chill whenever they get down into the underground lab uh the goons follow them right after and they choose to hide behind the steps that have no backs which is not a great hiding spot but um cap at one point in time in this big battle scene he pulls off what is that that he pulls off it's like a like a what's that door oh yeah oh yeah it's like a, a the the end off of a, some sort of boiler or something yeah he pulls that off and he uses it like a sh- that, that thing would be heavy as hell but he throws it like cap, the cap shield. And I, I wrote, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And when you're Captain America, everything looks like a shield. Okay, pretty good. <laughs> and, and then Cap murders a man by pushing him down a shaft of indeterminate height. Yeah, he, he, he has, this This guy doesn't have many scruples. He kills a bunch of people. Right. Now they fly to Rome. Yeah, they jet off to Rome. I mean, I guess the 90s are a different time, but like, my dude don't got a passport or nothing. He's got no, he's got no papers. He probably does have some papers, right? I mean, he's got like a government style passport right i don't know I man I, i'm trying to i'm trying to stay in the fiction a little bit look here's all i'm saying i guess what i'm saying is sharon looks like she's seen a thing or two so maybe she's got some kind of a shady business <laughs> i don't know she's got some connections that lends to the whole spy of it all they jet off to rome and a chase ensues and a little scuffle and yet again here cap does a bunch of murders he does a couple of for sure murders but they find out uh, the red skull's hometown so they have an area to work with upon finding out where the red skull's home is cap digs into the his old bag of tricks again oh, yes his says he's gonna move. be sick <laughs> goes pretends to be a little sick and then and then runs into the into the car to steal it which is just yep yeah strands a young girl in foreign lands with uh, no way of contacting him which is pretty heroic yeah there's a moment here as the uh junior skulls attack that sharon says this sucks and i have a note that says yes sharon it does suck yeah i wrote she just says what everyone's thinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there's a scene in between here yeah sharon kind of catches where... back up with him somehow yeah they get to the um well because she knows where the house is same as him oh so that's she just right gets a taxi and follows him right there pretty easy i don't know why i didn't think she could do that but anyway got they the get address to, right they get the red skull's old house and they get this the tape only reason i'm bringing up the scene is because you had mentioned there's that the Chekhov's recorder so they get it's not a tape but you know what i mean it's a recording Mm-hmm. of of him well playing be. piano and then all of his family and, getting mowed down yeah sharon grabs a copy as well so she records the thing of him playing piano nice piano music for a minute and then yeah some gruesome murders soon thereafter the the skulls catch up again and sharon 
she's a crafty one in this one. I will say she catches back up to Steve. She finds the skull's purse and grabs her wallet, which she just has her regular real identification on it. I'm giving them this one because she did not expect to be doing crimes that day. I'll give her that she might have had her real papers Mm -hmm. on her. After they find that, then Sharon gets captured. Steve suits up to take on the Fortress Lorenzo. Yeah, at this point in the movie... The president has already been kidnapped. Well, he didn't mention it, but whenever they're in the hospital with Jack, they see on the news that the president had been captured. That's one of the reasons why they go to Rome. That's right, because then he says, oh, you have to go there. We see that uh, the president's been absconded by the hydragoons. Cap's doing his very best to assault the facility where both Sharon and the president are being held. We get a couple of moments with President Kimball, and I'm honestly saying they're all pretty great because he gets a little moment here, a couple of moments where they're saying like, Oh, we're going to fucking brainwash you, dog. And at the very last moment, he gets to do a cool move. And he says, really need you for your little plan, don't you? And he kamikazes himself and jumps out the window. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, Cap's there for the save and grabs him and pulls him back in. And then they do a team up. Right. Before that, he's trying to escape with some acid or something in his cell. (laughs) And then (laughs) whenever he escapes... Which Red Skull sees, they don't bring this up, maybe it's another deleted scene, because he sees, like, oh, he's trying to pour acid on here to escape. <laughs> right, yeah, that, it never works out. But anyway, before he escapes, he looks down the hole and yells, Sharon. As they're taking him out of his cell, he looks down and yells, Sharon. And I'm like, uh-huh. he doesn't know Sharon. Red Skull's very elusive, so maybe he was saying, oh, Sharon, welcome to your new home in my castle. I'll tell you what happened. Tell me. Because I saw it, I was like, he shouldn't know Sharon, that makes no sense. And even later... He tells Cap, they've got Sharon. And I'm like, why does Cap not say, how do you know who Sharon is? But I watched some of the deleted scenes afterwards. And before they take him out of the cell, Sharon goes up and says like, hi, my name's Sharon. And Captain America's coming to save us both. You know, basically. That's the gist of the scene. So he would know Sharon's name. Okay. So if anyone else watches this movie and thinks the same thing, it's in a deleted scene. It's in a deleted. (laughs) Yeah. But the president is a badass, though, because he he does want to kill himself for for the greater good. Well, you know what? And that's true. He's down to clown. After him and Captain America's team up, Prez does some fucking work. He holds his own, man. They do a bunch of punches and roundhouses. Right. But as soon as they meet up, you get the idea, like, this is going to be a good old buddy situation. They run out to where they're getting fired on by a bunch of machine guns. Yes. And Cap sends the president out first. He doesn't. And he's holding his shield up for himself, like behind the president. He does not cover the president. At any time does he use that shield to protect the president out front. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's probably, you know, I could see like him wanting to kill himself so that he doesn't become brainwashed and then like a pawn of the Red Skull. But whenever you think you're going to escape, you probably don't want to run out. You don't want to do His whole purpose of going there was to rescue this man. Right. He only had 10 months of training, so rookie mistake. He is a baby. He's like a, he's just a big, stupid baby, this whole movie. Pity him. He is like a child. Then we get a couple of different fight scenes. We get some great shield work. Cap's taking out guys. We get a fight where the president has a square off. Tom squares off with a, a fucking guy. Oh, yeah. In this scene, you see one of the metal shields because he bashes the dude with it, and there's like a big dent in it. Yeah. It's undented in the next scene, but... <laughs> That's fun. If you Google Captain America 1990, the image that is most likely to come up is this one of him saying thanks. Mr. President. Thanks. And it looks, he looks like the biggest doofus in the world. And I, I don't, this is their big money shot where the president's hero, Captain America, thanks him for helping him take on these goons. Was this before or after we see the general in the, in the fortress? This is after. I do have a notice okay. while it says, I fucking love the general. He, whenever he gets busted, he <laughs> turns so quickly 
into the Grinch, you stole yes. Christmas. And he's like, oh, no, I assure you, I'm just here to save you. <laughs> There's uh, a light that didn't light on this side. Cap and Red Skull square off. Red Skull's got a machine gun. Cap's got a shield. There's some cool flips. Cap is really good at doing like acrobatic jump over you moves, which he does a couple of times. And there's a final standoff. Red Skull runs away to his seaside piano on top of his castle, just exposed to the elements and all that, and grabs a nuclear detonator out of the middle and starts a detonation sequence as the final moment. Do you think that a lot of people had rooftop pianos? No. In 1990? I'll say it makes it more like cartoonishly villainous that he would have a piano on his roof. It's gotta sound like shit though. They're right on the coast. The humidity is gonna ruin that. The humidity, thing. the rain. Yeah, the I mean, rain. it's gonna it's gonna sound rough. I don't get the feeling like he plays it though. Except yeah. Except there is a scene in the deleted cut where. And this is much earlier, whenever it shows more of Cap reading uh, newspaper articles about Martin Luther King assassination, and then it cuts to the Red Skull, and he's weeping and playing the piano. In a way, it's like completely ridiculous. It's so absurd, but I will say it gives you the idea that he regrets his life turned this way. Exactly. And that's how they win at the end. Sharon holds up and plays the recording, uh, Say Anything style. of the young Red Skull playing piano and then being captured in it. So as to say, you seem like you're acting irrationally and angry, so let me play the sound of your dying family. I was wondering if it was just going to be the song, and then it did play the murders as well, which I was like, ah. But it causes Red Skull to pause long enough for Cap to throw his shield, knocking him off the cliff. <laughs> that l- the, the dummy, dummy falling off the cliff got a real laugh out of me. I love a dummy falling from heights. I love dummy falls. It was phenomenal. If you don't want to watch this movie, please YouTube it, skip to the end, watch Red Skull fall off the cliff. It's the funniest thing. Yeah, it's totally worth it to watch this dude fall off this cliff. It's great. But, and that's not the end because the shield boomerangs back around and Sin stands up and now she's going to shoot Captain America, but uh, whoops it up. She gets hit by the shield on its way back to Cap. And uh, that's it. The shield toss for two, and then that's it. Fade out into the best uh, credits music anyone's ever made, ever. Now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we talk about how the comics and the movie intersect and collide. How is this different? What's the same? In a segment we like to call the Comic Convergence. Comic Convergence. Just keep that one in this time. Don't put in your other cut. This is good. (laughs) Okay. This movie, albeit flawed, does do a pretty good job staying close to the source material. The backstory for Steve Rogers is intact. There are a few liberties, like being from California as opposed to New York. They take some naming liberties as well. Bernie is based on Bernie Rosenthal, who was Steve's girlfriend from the 80s run of the comics and Sharon is based on Sharon Carter who is his love interest and the daughter of his love interest Peggy from before he was frozen Uh, as for recommendations I would suggest reading Winter Soldier by Ed Brubaker uh, because I think that paved the way for the modern Captain America and Bucky that we see in the MCU movies. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great place to look to. Uh, I love I love Civil War um, just because of the way it kind of 
it's it's the the metatextual nature of it and i feel like that kind of is where you get a lot of modern cap so i would say i think you know winter soldier and uh, civil war if you're like big into the marvel mcu that's a similar kind of cap that that you're looking for certainly did you say it's metrosexual i'm fine with it so those are some of our favorite books let's talk about is this a movie that was people's favorites Let's get into the reception, both critical and through the box office. Now, this one, I believe, was only released in the UK theatrically. Which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, I looked up the wrong one first, and it said 375, uh, 370 million, and we are at a more reasonable with the correct version. Three million? That's right. As far as casting for Cap that they had in mind, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dolph Lundgren in mind, mm-hmm. but Arnold Schwarzenegger got... Uh, was disqualified because of his accent. Yeah. And Dolph Lundgren was filming Punisher when they were filming this, so he couldn't be in this. Oh, wow. That's interesting. The uh, prevailing um, user reviews say that it, at least it's better than Batman and Robin. Well, with this one, the reviews are not kind. On the tomato meter, we've got a 13%, an audience score with a 16 so not much better. Lacking a script, budget, direction, or star capable of doing justice... To its source material, this Captain America should have been left under the ice. It's not great. Here's the thing with this one. It really does not exist anywhere. No one's really ever heard of it. And I think a lot of people might have come looking for like a real movie and not like a shitty B-movie because that's they were not expecting canon to be at the helm of this one. But personally, that's kind of what I like the most about it. Which leads me to our next thing. Let's get your opinions. And hey, let us know who your hero and your villain was on this one as we talk about ours. I would like to take hero. My hero is President Kimball because he's just basically an ass kicker. I mean, he was ready to kill himself. He was ready to do all kind of wild stuff for America. (laughs) And more stuff probably than Captain America would do for America. I I mean, yeah. I mean, at least Captain America had a shield and a fancy suit and superpowers. Um, My dude's just a president. Armed with nothing, willing to risk his hide, the president. Speaking of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of yours and go with another unsung hero, his buddy Sam, the newspaper man. Oh my goodness, what a guy! He like did all this. He put his life on the line. His last moments, he was giving Cap information. And I don't know how well Captain America is known in this universe. It's kind of hard to tell. But, like, he was certainly, like, these guys' hero, and they were, like, all about this dude. So, yeah, Sam is my hero in this one. Yeah, he he risks his life for real. He he And it he actually loses his life. My villain is Captain America. He steals the car from Ned Beatty, leaves him on the countryside <laughs> to die. He steals the car from Sharon, uh, <laughs> leaves her in a foreign land. He doesn't even know she speaks Italian. At that point, they find that out later. So he's leaving somebody who, who, as far as he knows, knows nothing of the terrain and no idea how to get where she needs to be and allows her to risk her life. And I say this again because we didn't bring it up before, uh-huh. but she do- she pulls a little shenanigan and steals the car to divert the Red Skull goons away from yeah. Cap. That's how and, she gets captured. And, right. But whenever Cap- uh, Captain America goes to the car, he tries to pull the handle and the door doesn't open because she locked it. We just watched him pull a furnace cover off. He can pull that door off and get in there if he wanted to. He faked like he couldn't get in that car and let her put herself in danger. He's a faker. So I guess I'll wrap it up. My villain, I'm going to go with Sin, the daughter. Uh, is also, I think, really cool. I think she's got a lot of cool moments. She has a great scene, acting-wise, at the very end, 
where there's a moment where you can see her debating whether or not is she going to just be a good guy and save them or is she going to try to like be her father's daughter and become the villain there's like a moment of i thought was real acting and you can see it just ripple through her and she chooses to be a villain and then is immediately messed up but yeah she's definitely my villain i i had a great time watching her and i the level of ham and overacting is right on tone i feel like do you think canon films they could have done worse or better by just reusing skeletor's mask from (gasps) he-man Is that a canon film too? That's canon. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Unironically, I love that movie. All right. Well, those are our heroes. Those are our villains. Before we get into some final wrap up, let's check out what we'll be watching for next time. We're going to be watching 1990s Dick Tracy. I'm so excited to get into that with all of you thank you so much for listening and subscribing and chatting us up and giving us all these cool ideas so we are going to get into dick tracy on the next episode let's wrap up this episode with our final thoughts i thought it was fun i mean i enjoyed it i didn't i wasn't like kicking myself for having seen it mm-hmm. it's a it's a, like a so bad it's good type movie and not a so bad it's bad there was like a lot of funny stuff that was unintentionally funny yeah. Uh, taken really seriously and then like that Heil Hitler gag was <laughs> hilarious the um I, I, I read an article about this a while back and somebody called it a psych Hitler and I thought that was the funniest thing I ever saw <laughs> uh which is basically exactly what it is he, he just says like psych Heil Hitler uh I thought that was so funny I don't I'm so sure it wasn't supposed to be funny but but it's it was really good so if you have a chance if you just want to watch there's two scenes you have to watch this movie the very very end and probably 15 minutes in for the Steve Rogers transformation mm-hmm. to Cap, because those are some cinema gold. Uh, so bad, it's so good. When did J.D. Salinger die? He should have rewrote this for his son. He lived till 2010. What the hell, J.D.? Doesn't let his son be in this real stinker in the rye. This one, this one's a for sure a stinker. Um, that being said, if you like good bad movies. And, like, it doesn't matter if you're into comics. If you hate comics, doesn't matter. You know, I mean, if, if you hate comics, you're probably not listening to this. But even for people who don't like comics, um, I think as a good, bad movie, this one excels in a lot of ways. Because it is bad. It is overacted. The Some of the action's okay. But it's cheesy and it's campy. And the fact that everyone is really giving their all is really the sign of a great, good, bad action movie. And everybody is going for it here. It's terrible, though. All right, well, I think that just about does it for Captain America. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Special thanks also to our social media manager, Dave, over at The Face of Dave on Twitter. Absolutely throw him, uh, give him a follow. Also, special thanks to the casting crew of Captain America. This was a bad movie, but it was a a movie I had so much fun watching. We hope you did as well. Uh, Give us your thoughts. You can email us at nerdaplexypodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at nerdaplexypod on Twitter. Uh, Check out the next mini episode where we are going to dive into all the things we may have missed on this episode and tell you about... All the things to look forward to in Dick Tracy, the next movie we'll be watching. All right, folks, we'll be looking forward to uh, getting into that. But uh, until we meet again, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Canada. A million years, a million years. A long, long time.
Hey, bud. Get a cigarette. Trying to 